Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Good afternoon, Laura. Thank you very much for joining me on today's episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. I have been trying to get you on this podcast for so long. I'm really grateful to have you here. Would you like to introduce yourself to those listening? Yes, lovely. Thank you, Sarah. And um, yeah, I've been looking forward to coming on. Uh, So I'm Laura Hancock and I am one of the founding directors of Utree Insurance in Newmarket. We're a a commercial insurance broker with an underwriting business. Um, I'm also deputy chair of the BIBA uh, board as well. So I do a huge amount with the trade association. um, And yeah, really excited to talk about our subject today. Um, Okay, so the topic today is not specifically insurance related, but it's all around work ethic, uh, work-life balance, what has been, what COVID did, where we're going. And I know this is a topic that you are incredibly passionate about. Now, before we jump into it, anybody listening, there will be a link in the show notes, a BBC article that both Laura and I have read. Um, Go and read it. Would really love your comments in light of uh, this podcast. Um, And Laura, over to you. Talk to me about this passion that drives you. Oh, where do I start? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I guess my career to date has come about not because I engineered anything specifically from the start, but genuinely because I feel like I've always just worked really hard. Um, I've always, since the age of 18, for some reason, it was just in me just to to work really hard and to do a bit more than was expected of me and to get out of my comfort zone and to go the extra mile. And all the way through my first job in insurance at 18 to sitting here today with with our own business at the age of 45, that that ethic and that uh, sort of philosophy around work is still within me it's still exactly the same as it was when I was 18. I guess I saw this BBC article headline yesterday that that talked about um, there being an insidious culture of people being expected to go the extra mile to do more than their job description and it's kind of just struck a chord with me that it felt very harsh to call it an insidious culture when actually if you want to get on, you often have to do a little bit more. And that doesn't mean the business should expect you to do more, just that if you want to get on, doing a bit more, learning a bit more, therefore taking a step up is just a natural course of events as far as I'm concerned. Um, Yeah, and I've always given that advice to everybody, just do a little bit more than is expected of you if you want to get on and be promoted and get new experiences and and try new things. And I think it's it's really sound advice. And I I think this article was quite, um, what's the word, that was was, uh, quite scathing about that approach, saying that people shouldn't have to do more than is expected of them if they want to get on. Do you know, I'm so... I've got so much that I think about this topic. So I read the article. I I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. And and I think it's much wider than the article would give give credence to, right? So this this article, for those um, that haven't read it or don't read it, is 
basically starting by saying from way back when this need to do more has become an expectation rather than an exception um, just to be able to keep your job not even to get on and it goes on to talk about uh, the the Japanese the Japanese have a word for it um, I'm just trying to remember Kiroshi which basically means work to death right so it, it, it's very heavy in terms of promoting that as a, an ideal and then goes on to say the world is changing post-covid the younger generations are kind of going oh do I really need to do that I think maybe I don't the way I come at it and I'd love your opinion on this is life has got to the point where there's an awful lot of entitlement I will do the bare minimum and I will expect the maximum and and actually that's that's not how life works and I see it in my children, as they get older, they're going to have a nasty shock. Doing the bare minimum receives the bare minimum. And it's all about what you put into life, you get out. And I don't think we have to define it as, as work or, or, or life. Or I think it's, it's about being the best you can be and giving as much as you can and reaping the rewards that are out there. What, so my question to you is, what do you see in the insurance industry, and I know Utree is a phenomenal place to work, but I know that you have experience ongoing outside of just Utree. What do you see as the norm in the insurance industry in terms of work ethic, work-life balance, and um, employer expectation? Yeah, so the insurance industry at the moment is facing a huge um, issue with and Graham will talk to you about this from Bieber and it's something we hear all the time insurer service is incredibly poor across the piece now a lot of uh, talk is saying uh, a lot of people are saying that that is post-pandemic so insurers generally didn't deal very well with sending everyone working from home their technology wasn't right it was very clunky it was very difficult and then post-pandemic Insurers have wanted people back, but people want more flexible working. So there's much, there's 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 fewer people in the office, uh, which means uh, potentially those people are not uh, learning from each other and not developing in the same way as they did. And insurers are big companies; they take a long time to move. They're like blind juggernauts, sort of hurtling into the sun. Sometimes it's very difficult to change their direction. And the pandemic has meant we've all had to change direction. We've had to be more nimble, and we've had to change the way we think. One of those is to accept flexible working, to accept that people can work from home, you can trust them to do so, and you can have a successful business with a mix of the two. So I think the norm in our industry is that people are still grappling with this. Some are, some are forcing their workers back and not really thinking they're going to do anything if they work from home, thinking the only way to control them again is to bring them back to the office. And some are operating on more successful hybrid models and embracing the new norm. We, I believe, fall into that latter category. We are embracing the new hybrid as the new, nor the new normal way of working. But even we, who think we're quite innovative and nimble, are finding that we're starting to see people sort of coming into the office for only the two-day minimum that we suggested we'd want to see people in for. No one's doing any more. Um, and that's fine because they're the rules that we set out. But we just worry, like others in the industry, that we might be losing some of that culture and development and some of that brilliant stuff you get by all being in the office together as a team and hearing everything going on around you. So I still think there's a huge 
balance. There's loads of work to do. I think the insurance industry is trying to catch up with it, but I don't think it's anywhere near there yet. And I think that servicing problem that brokers are finding from insurers potentially comes from the fact that hybrid models are not working quite as well as they might. What do you think the uh, employees want? I think it, well, what's interesting is um, when you're trying to recruit people now is you get told by recruiters that they won't, people won't consider you if you don't let them work from home, which as an employer kind of is a little bit galling because you think, well, before the pandemic, everyone came to work. That was just what it, what it was. That's what everyone did. So I think employee, employees want flexibility without doubt. And I do as well. We, we all do. We've all got family pressures. It's easier to um, alleviate some of the pressures of life if you can do the odd day from home when you need to. As I think there's a real danger. This article talked about um, the insidious work creep of, of employee, employers expecting more from their employees. I also think there's one in the other direction that the more flexibility you give, people slump a little. And I think there's a creep in the other direction that we need to be mindful of as well. We're going to call that the slump creep. The work creek versus the slump creek. That might be yeah. the title for this podcast. But no, I do think there's a real danger. I think the more flexibility you give them, potentially, it's a bit like that old adage that the more benefits you give to people in their job, the more they expect and you give them a a really good package and that becomes their norm and then they want more and that is kind of human nature and just the way it is but we just have to be mindful of getting this balance right of being in the office and out of the office and still performing and still being visible and still being in your team. I I did a really interesting podcast recently uh, around working from home Um, and uh, it was actually for a client it wasn't my podcast Um, but what I the main thrust of that conversation was about the difficulty for graduates coming into a company not knowing the ropes and not being able to learn from those more experienced and just there's a very big difference between sending an email to say I don't really understand I don't know this particular risk and how this policy wording really affects it can you help me to turning around and going uh excuse me Laura but can you just help me because I'm a bit confused here and yeah. you lose such a significant amount of 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 learning that way. It's almost like um, osmosis, learning by osmosis. You lose it without being in the office. And I and, and some of the conversation we had was around how graduates would feel about that. And and, and I don't know because it, it's also predominantly the younger generation that that are looking and going. No, I want to work from home. I want it this way. These are the parameters within which I will work, and I expect this pay um how how do they balance it how how do we balance it as employ as employers yeah it's really um it's really interesting because i think graduates nowadays will say uh yeah i'm willing to do my cii exams and i'll study and i'll do the webinars and i'll do my online learning and then i will have reached where i need to um so we run an underwriting business and in our underwriting business we might get presented with a certain type of risk to quote on and we might no quote it because it's out of appetite if you sit in the office you'll hear the underwriters saying the reason that's out of appetite is because there's lots of fires in that trade or because there's composite panels in those type of buildings or whatever it might be and you will you just won't get that rounded amount of of knowledge that um that you you would used to you used to would have got in in a 
office where you're hearing people talking all the time. And I still say things in in my job today, which I heard my boss saying when I first started. And you do learn by osmosis. That is without question. But I don't know how you get that message across to young people today. I think I, I always say now we're doing flexible working that people with experience have a duty to be in the office, not all the time, but in the office around the people who are learning and people who are learning have a duty to be in the office to hear from those. So I think there's I think there's a duty on both sides to accept that you learn by experience, you learn by listening, you learn by looking, having mentors um, and you just can't replicate that remotely. Um mm. But yeah, I don't know the exact answer to your question in terms of how do you convince people of that? (laughs) I just hate to see the industry and and society move to a place where everything was remote and you you lose that human, the benefit of of being with other people. I think so, too. I think um, I saw something recently that was about we live in the most connected society from a technical sense. And we are more disconnected than we've ever been from a community sense. And I suppose some of what we're talking about here is 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 breaking up of communities, work communities. Um, yeah. And and I think that's a, that is there are so many dangers as well as benefits inherent in that. And I don't know that um, the dangers are getting the airtime that the benefits are. If that makes sense. No. And I, I'm going to get this all completely upside down and the wrong way around. But that whole um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing, one of the one of the one of the points in that is about community and community matters where you live, where your children go to school, where you come to work. And, and you just can't ignore that basic human need to be around people. It's also one of the seven pillars of mental health, of good mental health is community. And, yeah, I, I think we just have to be steadfast in fighting its corner. <laughs> All right, we can do that through the the means of podcasts together. Yeah, quite. <laughs> um, one of the the slight uh, change of direction, but still on the the article. One of the things that the article talks about is how certain categories or groups of people are more expected to go above and beyond, and and it doesn't always give them the recognition they need, and it cites. Um, women, it cites uh, uh, minority uh, ethnicities. And in light of what we've just been talking about, which is very ageist, I suppose, young versus, what's your opinion on that? Um, That struck the most personal of chords with me when I read that bit of the article, especially the the bit about women. Um, And as I said, I've always had this, this work ethic. I've always just had this innate desire to be successful, whatever that might look like, not necessarily financially but just to be successful to be good at my job so I always worked incredibly hard um and when I came back from maternity leave after having my daughter she was only five months old I came back to work and my job had essentially been given to my colleague who was the same level as me and I was then I was reporting to him at that point so I'd effectively been demoted and it was at that point I think was the first time in my career I acknowledged and realised that as a woman, you've got to work so much harder to get the same results. And I think we're all fighting that fight now. We're all we're all talking about equality and gender and making making the workplace have more parity for everyone. But I still believe that there is more for women to do to 
get on. They do have to work harder. They do have to go further above and beyond, I think, especially when you have children as well, because you take some, you take a step back, you leave a space where you were. And in my case, that space got filled and I got pushed downwards. So it was at that point I went off to do something else. But yeah, I think that's a huge point. I think women are definitely and other minority groups, as the article points out, definitely have to work harder and go further above and beyond, uh, which is which is wrong, but is just a fact, I think. Can I ask a question on this, which might be slightly contentious? So, um, and I'm going to give a personal example. So I grew up always being encouraged to go above and beyond, to do above and beyond. No dream was too big. You've got, you've got this, crack on, do it. I can have my cake and eat it. I can have kids and be a great mum. I can have a career and be great at that. And I found that belief, my own belief, one of the biggest impactors on my mental health because you can't, you have that, that you can't be more than one human. You can't be in two places at once. And splitting your priorities is when they when they compete so so. Um, with each other is really difficult Um, and that's why I left the legal career because I had two young children and I was doing nothing particularly well. Um, Now my children are a little bit older it's a little bit easier but that that balance was really hard. Having now been an employer of SMEs I also see it from the other side. I don't have the funds available to be able to manage what needs to be a full-time job in part-time hours. And therefore, the pool of people are... are, That's not actually the case with Boston Tullis, but a previous business, we did have this contention. I, I I don't always think it's to do with society pushing women down. I, I think your my natural instinct is that I wanted to be mum. I didn't want Neil to make the choice and stay at home, which was open to us, but I didn't want that. So I always I always get stuck in this loop because because that's my experience. And and I you know have a very privileged experience in many, many ways, but but that is my experience. It's not that other people have have taken it away from me. It's that I haven't been able to give what I want to both and have made the choice for the children. And I don't think that's yeah. anyone else's fault. And I certainly don't think it's society's fault either. What do you think of that? So I, too, do not think it's society's fault. Um, when I wrote some little scribbly notes, having read the article and knowing we were going to talk about it today, my last sentence, which I'm looking at over here, is, can you really have it all? Question mark. Um, and I do not believe you can. So we're on the same page there. Um, when I came back to work, my daughter was only five months old which is quite early for someone to come back to work and I we did make the decision at the time that my husband gave up his job and he stayed at home so we just did it the non-traditional way round however I still had to I had to fight to get my position back and I didn't get my position back and I had to ended up leaving so um yeah that wasn't me trying to have it all that was just us swapping and me losing out um and at the same time I think I was experiencing uh, some of the men around me doing similar jobs to me were earning tens of thousands more than me. So that that was my kind of 
okay, there is a gender disparity thing going on here. And the fact that I've had to take some time out to have, have this child and come back again has pushed me even further back. So I think there is definitely, there's definitely an issue there. There is definitely a gender issue there. Um, however, you can't have it all. You can't do the school run and be there every time the child's sick and uh, go home from work when they're ill, when they're little and have all the school holidays off. You can't do all of that stuff and expect your career to accelerate forward at the same time. So you do have to make a choice. Um, and I, I actually think I've just drawn to a, a parallel here. What you've just described with uh, maternity leave, making the choice for a uh, husband to stay at home, look after uh, uh, your daughter is, you know, classic gender gap um, discrimination. I haven't experienced that. Um, mm. You know, so so we I think we're coming to the same place from different experiences. But what we're now talking about having your cake and eat it is not dissimilar to what this article is saying. Do you yeah. do you see what I mean? And it and it and there's there's a I sometimes think the boundaries get very blurred when we're talking about um rights and wrongs and entitlements and expectations. Um and and you lose the key message when when you blur it. When your entitlement outweighs your expectation on yourself, you lose the lines and ruin the the core message for for those that really need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think the fact that this very article is out there saying that work creep is insidious, that employers are expecting too much, that they want more productivity, I, I find that incredibly unfair as an employer. But what I do think is there are going to be people in the world who want to get on, who will always go above and beyond and who will, in the right course of events, will get noticed and will get on. Then there are people who will just want to work nine to five to earn the money, to pay the bills, to go home because their priorities are elsewhere. And as a business, we need all of those different types of people. What I don't like is it being frowned upon to expect a bit more from people who want to get on this article says sometimes you have to do more to just keep your job that of course is wrong to keep your job you should just carry out your job description within the hours and contract and uh, do do what's expected of you but yeah there is no shame in wanting to do a bit more to get on to be noticed to be successful and that's the bit I don't I think there's a societal pressure now pushing that kind of drive to be successful down and saying think about your mental health think about your well-being your work-life balance and of course do that but 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 there's nothing wrong with working hard and wanting to get on as well balance and boundaries there's a second possible title for this podcast <laughs> all the <laughs> yes. titles balance and boundaries versus work creep and work and slump creep slump. Yeah, rolls <laughs> yeah. off the tongue, doesn't it? Rolls off the tongue. So, Laura, talk to me about um, because your role as as founding director for Utree, your role as an employee, you know, throughout your life. So you've got you've got both angles that you're coming at this from. Talk to me about what you are seeing from a high level perspective throughout your work with Beaver with these type of conversations, um, I know there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so in, in terms of kind of uh, workplace and um, flexibility and all that stuff, I think what I'm seeing at the moment is that there are still a lot of really old fashioned attitudes out there. And our industry in particular is quite um, 
it's a little dinosaur-like in places, and there are a lot of outdated attitudes. So I come, I've got this real kind of uh, internal challenge over it all because I fought hard for flexible working before the pandemic was even a thing, and because of what I'd faced and the challenges of being a mum and being in business. So I fought hard for it, and now we've got it, and now I'm making sure it's it's not creating slump <laughs> as we've talked about. So, so yeah, I've been through that journey, but I think there's a lot in our industry who, who are very dinosaur in the, in their attitudes and feel that if people are not there, they're not going to be working. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm part way through the kind of evolution of all of this, but I think our industry is still quite a long way behind. And I think because of that is why, uh, services suffering certainly across the big companies and I think we've got a lot of I think there's a huge amount of work to do here I, I, I genuinely just think we're all swimming around in this new normal and some think it works and some think it doesn't work and and productivity slumping in places but in other places people are feeling better because they've got some flexibility so yeah I feel like it's a the bottom of a mountain and what's what are the steps we take to start climbing up what what would you like to see and how would you like to see it done I know that's a huge question but where do we start um I think for me the point is around it's not about productivity actually and that might be because we don't we don't I, we don't suffer here I think I think we've we've been very good through the pandemic people have worked really hard our businesses has done very well but what what I'd like to see is it talked about in the context of career development. Um, and I think the career development points are really important one because we, we talk so much about this talent shortage and this talent gap and not attracting people to the insurance industry, but to attract people, you've got to offer flexible working. So I really want to see people get their house in order in terms of have a flexible working policy, make a decision. So this is how we're going to take our business forward for the next 10 years and then set about using HR departments and, and line management, making sure it's working for everybody. So is that ambitious 20 year old in your team? Are, are they achieving the steps they need to get onto the next to the next grade of, of their role? Are they are they developing in the way they need to? And. I do, and that's why I think it's a it's a mountain to climb because I think I don't think people are thinking in the right way about it. I think flexible working has just become a contractual norm, and no one's really thinking about the impact. So I want to see it talked about in in terms of career development because if you do that, then your business will be successful behind it. If people feel valued, feel part of the community, feel like they're developing and learning, then you will have a good business. So stop focusing on the numbers, how many tasks they've done, how much money they've made. Let's let's make sure people are feeling valued and accomplished and that they are going somewhere in their careers. I suppose it's quite, um, I mean, this happens in a lot of companies where, so for example, where there's um, significant growth in a short period of time um, procedures change and if they change in an ad hoc and reactive way in the way that we've all changed to flexible working gaps and cracks start appearing so I suppose what you're really talking about is putting a procedurally driven uh, uh, strategy towards flexible working and doing it now um, or before now like go go yeah. go 
Yeah, and you know when um, you get these sort of CPD platforms in, in any industry, I guess, but there, there's there's lots of them in our industry where you get training on soft skills, sales skills. I think one of those needs to be visibility when you're, when you're working remotely because it's massively important. If you've got two people doing the same job, both who want to get on and one who comes into the office every day and one who's at home every day, Unfortunately, the one who's in the office every day is just going to be more visible. They're going to be the board are going to be talking about them. So to counter that as an employee, you need to make yourself visible. And it's back to that going a little bit further than is expected of you. If you have to go in the office for two days, maybe go in for three, maybe send a few more emails about what you've been doing, about your successes. You've got to make yourself visible in other ways. Otherwise, we're back to the slump thing. I think there's also an element of trust. Now, I, um, me and a colleague delivered some, some sales training earlier this week um, in Wales. And one of the, the key features is about building trust and how it's actually a manageable process. And one of the things that, um, that I really like is this idea that you tell somebody what you're going to do, you do it, then you tell them what you've done. The yes. visibility of following that process is significantly more than just doing it and hoping someone notices. So I suppose that type of training about how you build trust, particularly online, um, with colleagues, with clients, with prospects, these little things that are not tricks. It's, it's, it's literally, this is what I want to do. This is, I've done it. And, and let me tell you what I did. That, that I think, is a really easy something to put in place, particularly when we're talking about the visibility and the trust building and, and relationship building of, of, of flexible working. Yeah, and that's something I, I used to do all the time, actually, and I don't think I really thought it through as to why, but I would, and I was probably really irritating as a 19 to 25-year-old because I was quite ambitious and I everything I did, if I won a piece of business, if I'd finished a project, I'd always be copying my boss in to make sure for that exact reason. And yeah, visibility is huge and, and, and working remotely, visibility, it, it could, you could just never be heard from again. <laughs> that's That's a real danger if you're working at home all the time and it's, yeah. So, yeah, it's hugely important. I think um, to, to finish off uh, on, on this topic and to pick up on something you just said that I find really interesting, generally, um, women find it much harder than men to say, look how good I am, this is what I did today. And I think as a, as a gender, we have got to get better at that. Uh, and that's one of the things I think that makes the playing field unequal. And again, it's something that's with it, within our control. It's not the world saying it's it's in our control. I'm here. I have a right to be here and I can do this. Um, mm. I think that's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And the other thing I would always say, and I'd say it to anybody, men or women, but potentially start with where you want to get to in life what do you want to achieve what where where do you what sort of house do you want to live in what sort of cars do you want to drive where what do you want for your children what sort of holidays go to that where do you want to be and then how are you going to get there and quite often that means getting on in your career and and yeah I yeah so I, I think a lot of the answer to all of this is is uh talking much more about all of that career development stuff the first time I ever met Peter Cullen uh, he got a blank piece of paper, he did an A and he did a B. He said, define B and put the steps in backwards. 
and I, and I, I think that's a yeah. really um really yeah. powerful piece of piece of um, yeah a lot of people don't join those dots about where they want to get to in life and then how you're going to get there a lot of people just sit there thinking I wish I had that or it's unfair that they've got it and I haven't got it actually right where you want to go and then work out how to get there and and everyone's got a right to get there it's in your control absolutely Laura I've really enjoyed this conversation and I think we could talk for hours on this and related um, subjects so I do hope you'll join me for another episode on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Yeah I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.